You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Burr, there must be a draft in here. The Burke and Miz way too early draft rankings. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For the uh, first time in the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban fantasy football podcast history, we actually have Burke. So, welcome, Burke. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Any better late than never? <laughs> you were dealing with some serious situations, so that's uh, to be expected, but I'm glad to have you back on the show like you belong. And Thank you. Glad to be here. I think uh, what we're going to do is go through the first two rounds on uh, drafting. There's obviously been a lot of movement in the offseason, and I think this is a good time, even though it's early and training camps haven't started, on what those top players are for the, the first two rounds. And I, I think I'll jump right in on doing the very first overall pick. It's not a surprise, and it's not very uh, ingenious uh, to, to pick this person, but uh, we both have Christian McCaffrey as our number one person. And would you like to explain why you have him as number one? Yeah, I think that Christian McCaffrey is the you know, number one choice in the upcoming fantasy draft, uh, just because of sheer volume and opportunity. Um, and you saw what he did with that opportunity. You look at last year having you know thir- uh, 1,300 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns, thousand yards receiving uh, he's going to get the opportunity to carry the ball and obviously many chances to um, gain those receptions and pick up receptions so um, they the Carolina Panthers have leaned on Christian McCaffrey he shows that he can carry the workload and carry that team so I think he is a, uh, a volume monster and I also think that he's shown that he can produce with that volume so I think he's the safest number one pick in the upcoming draft and what impressed me with him was the fact that Cam Newton got hurt pretty early in the season, and he was producing with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. So if you're able to produce like he was with a mediocre quarterback, he had a historic season with having a little help. And so, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater is actually an upgrade over Kyle Allen. And um, barring injury, I think that puts him at the, you know, the, the top echelon. And I don't see much of a – I could maybe see a little decline because to repeat what he did last season is going to be pretty remarkable, but um, he's still going to be your your, your top uh, producer. He doesn't need to score, and he'll still get you points by just the yardage that he produces. You know, I agree. I don't think that he's going to put up the same numbers he did last year. Um, you know, we've seen that before where someone just has a phenomenal year and then they have a little bit of regression. But he has room for regression and still could be the highest scoring fantasy football player in the upcoming year and I agree with you you know he was able to produce with Kyle Allen uh, Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade and you look at Kyle Allen if it, it tells you what they think about him and, and what they could build around him he's not on the team anymore so you know the guy that Christian McCaffrey put up a lot of points with isn't even on the team I think he's well positioned with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback awesome and uh, I guess moving along to our number two pick then um, 
we both have Saquon Barkley, and he, I felt like he was a little of a, of a disappointment last year. Um, you expected a little bit more from him, but obviously it was a young offense with Daniel Jones playing quarterback and having no offensive line, and you put that into perspective with his offensive line, I feel like they're making moves to solidify that a little bit, and he is you know, the same as Christian McCaffrey, where he's a threat in the passing game and the running game. And so, anyway, that's why I have him at number two. Yeah, at number two for similar reasons. I think they've upgraded the line. Obviously, with Pat Shermer, um, the coach, they are going to spread the ball out more. And you had a young quarterback, and it didn't really fit with um, Saquon Barkley as well. Um, and the bottom line is he battled injuries all year, too. Um, so he was Good battling point. injuries, uh, a weakened offensive line, in a system that was predominantly three wide. So um, he can fit, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield. But I think what you're going to see this upcoming year, they've invested in that offensive line. I think they're going to simplify the game for the young quarterback, Daniel Jones, and I think they're going to lean heavily on Barkley. Yeah, and uh, I I think the biggest thing that, you know, like I mentioned, is just the offensive line. If they can uh, just a little bit of improvement where they can keep uh, Daniel Jones safe in the pocket – uh, they can be a little more unpredictable, and that's going to definitely help Saquon Barkley because he's he's a big play threat, and there's there's not a lot of running backs that uh, you know, uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey and uh, some other ones, but Saquon Barkley can turn the two-yard gain into a seventy-yard gain. So, and uh, moving on to number three, uh, we both have the same number three as well. It's uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and I'll be honest, I was not 100% confident to have him at number three. I'm a little bit worried about the retirement of Travis Frederick at center and the fact that there's so many weapons in the Dallas offense. Um, I I felt like they were leaning on Dak Prescott towards the end of the season and and throwing the ball more than they normally did uh, compared to earlier on in the season. And But he's such a bell cow for the Cowboys and – get so many carries and he's pretty consistent too that uh, I didn't see another running back that I felt um, that you can get that consistency see from and especially at the beginning of the draft that's what you want from that uh, one of those top picks yeah, I th- agree and I think when you have a you're running back you're you're picking in the early round you want someone that has the opportunity someone that's not going to be looking over their shoulder for someone to take their position. Um, obviously, the Cowboys rely heavily on Ezekiel Elliott, and you know he's, he's proven to put up a lot of production. And so I think he's a safe bet at number three. I agree with you. Uh, the reason I don't have him any higher is because of some of those concerns that you outlined. You know, they have McCarthy as coach, um, has been, um, been known to throw the ball more, as you said last year with Dak Prescott. That was a, a heavy focus as well. Um, you have Amari Cooper. You have Michael Gallup and they have CeeDee Lamb. So I could see this being a little more passing focused this year. Uh, but given the body of work of Ezekiel, I still think he's a safe bet at number three. Um, someone that's going to dominate up there at that goal line carries and, and be your bell cow back. Nice. And uh, one other thing that's worth monitoring too is, you know, with, with Dak uh, Prescott, uh, are they are they going to be more run heavy because they're going to try to find their future quarterback, or are they just going to ride with Dak Prescott and you know try to uh, open up the offense knowing that he might not be there since they're definitely in, in a, a contract year 
and uh, th- th- there's obviously not a, a solution in sight, and rather he, he's, he's going to be with the Cowboys next year. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to, you know, obviously hard to find what the contract demands that we're looking at, but I, I can't see any, any way that Dak Prescott leaves the Cowboys. I think they're going to rely heavily on the passing game. But again, I think that Elliot, Elliot is just such an important piece of that offense, and uh, I just can't see him hate, seeing him make any major regression as far as fantasy production. Yeah, that's a good call. And at number four, uh, we both have Dalvin Cook running back for the Vikings. And I actually really love Dalvin Cook. He's very consistent. He's also known to have some pretty big games, but he's at least going to give you, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown. So if you can average around the 10 to 12 point range, that's great production or consistent production. And Dalvin Cook gives you that. And I put him there just because the Vikings, they rely so heavily on the run. They're not a big passing team, and I'm not sure if that's because of Kirk Cousins or that's just their philosophy, but uh, I, uh, he, he gets his workload is just so huge, and I know that opens him up to injury, and he's been prone to injury, but you know, obviously I can't predict injury, and I just like the workload that he gets, and so he's, he's definitely up at number four for me. Burke, what about you? Yeah, I have him number four as well. Um, I agree. I think the Vikings are going to be much more of a run-heavy offense. They were run-heavy last year, but they're going to be a run-heavy offense uh, this year. With Gary Kubiak, um, you know, calling the plays there, I think that you're mm-hmm. going to see um, a heavy focus on the run game. And you've seen Gary Kubiak be successful in, in run schemes and systems um, throughout the league, and he's had many backs uh, with far less talent than Dallin Cook be highly successful and have a – highly successful year. So, again, I think it's a great fit for Delvin Cook and Kubiak. And I think uh, he is a strong fit here for number four overall. And the thing I like about Kubiak compared to, uh, you know, like a Mike Shanahan is Kubiak will go to uh, the one running back. He'll, He'll have a bell cow where, you know, in a Shanahan type of offense, it could be, you know, four or five different guys depending on the situation. So, um not only do they run a lot, but Cook gets basically all of the opportunities in that offense. Um, moving on to number five, we both have Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, you think, would be a slam dunk, just you know, as much as the Tennessee Titans like to run the ball and as hard as Derrick Henry is to bring down. But Derrick Henry's known to start off the year pretty slow. And then on top of that, I'm a little bit concerned. Jack Conklin went to Cleveland and... You know, it makes me like the chances for the uh, Cleveland Browns running attack, but he was the best run bla- uh, blocking tackle in the NFL, and he's not there anymore. And a lot of those runs were towards his side. And I'm just not saying that you know it takes five guys, but I- I'm not sure how that's going to affect the uh, the Titans' offensive line. And uh, but on top of that, Derrick Henry's a stud. He's he's hard to bring down. He gets a lot of volume. And uh, I just I, I don't see another running back that could uh, that, that gets the bulk of carries like he does uh, throughout the the entire season. So uh, Burke, what do you think about uh, Derrick Henry? I think he's you know a, a really good fit here uh, for number five overall. Um, like you said, he's going to get a lot of carries um, in that system. Um, he's going to get a lot of goal line carries. Obviously, a big back and had a tremendous year. 
Um, I, I agree with you. I think that Derrick Henry is going to win you games early in your fantasy season, but he might win you the playoffs and your championship. I mean, obviously, that's what we're shooting for. Um, he gets better as the year goes on. Um, so having a, a good draft around him, um, you know, helps carry that uh, first half of your season. But when you get into crunch time, Derrick Henry is someone you, you're going to want in your fantasy team. I agree. Losing confidence, I think, is going to have an effect. Um, the other part that I'm a little concerned about Derrick Henry, um, not enough concern to move him outside of my top five, um, but the other concern is that we have Ryan Tannehill quarterback. And yeah. Tannehill played um, pretty well at last season. Um, let's see how he plays this upcoming season. Um, you know, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, and they really relied heavily on Derrick Henry. Um, but a full season of that could definitely take a toll on Henry, and, and Tannehill needs to play well for this system to work and to see the fantasy production that we're looking for. Um, what I do notice, though, is it seems like any um, offensive player, um, Miami Dolphin, that left the um, Adam Gase system tends to do very well, and Tannehill has seemed to be True. on the right path of doing well in his career. He definitely had quite the turnaround, so... Um, looking for similar and improved play out of Tannehill will make a big difference for Henry in the upcoming year. Well, and I can tell you that there's probably no bigger fan of Derrick Henry than Ryan Tannehill because <laughs> him doing so well, you've seen that contract that he signed, it's probably his best friend right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number six, we both have uh, Nick Chubb on this, so we've been pretty consistent on uh, our rankings. And for me personally, the reason why I like Nick Chubb so much at number six, and I actually wanted to move him higher, I just couldn't, is because, well, two things. Uh, I just talked about Jack Conklin. Well, he went to Cleveland, and now he's the uh, right tackle for the Cleveland Browns. And then on top of that, uh, Stefanski is now their head coach, and he was over at Minnesota. And we were just talking about how much Minnesota likes to run the ball. And you put those two things together, and I just see fantasy gold for Nick Chubb. And obviously I know there's competition with uh, Hunt there, but I really expect them to be a run-heavy team and try to take the pressure off of Baker Mayfield to try to you know, uh, take, uh, carry the team on his back this year and, and try to even out or distribute the, the ball around to uh, some of the other talent that they have. So I, I'm really big on Nick Chubb at number six. You know, I had the same. I actually debated uh, Chubb and Henry at five and six quite a bit, um, you know, but uh, fell to Chubb at six. Um, some of the reasons you like him, same coming from the Vikings system, you're going to have a similar system coming to uh, the Cleveland Browns. I think it's a wise move to, um, instead of putting everything on Baker Mayfield, masking the ball over the field like they did last year, you know, putting a solid um, run game around him, I think that will do well for him. The Browns um, upgraded the line. And, and what's interesting, too, you look at it, he had a um, kind of an off-the-radar. He had a good year, but I don't think people realize how, how great of a year he had. He had 218 points at running back, and, and that was a quiet 218 points. And now you get him in a system, um, similar to the Viking system that we just talked about with Cook. I think that he's going to be highly successful this year. I am not concerned about Hunt. Um, taking too much of an impact. I think that there are still things that, um, you know, the Browns organization are being concerned with Hunt, and it just has not been consistent, obviously, since um, he left Kansas City, and I think that Chubb is going to be um, a fantasy goal, like you said, this year. Yeah, and uh, I just the eye test, uh, you know, you watch Nick Chubb run the ball, and he looks like a number one workhorse running back, and 
he uh, he some guys are matchup dependent, and, and Chubb doesn't seem to be. I mean, he's had some good games against some really good uh, run defenses, so that's always encouraging as well. So, uh, moving on to uh, number seven, we have Dante Adams, and. The reason why I have Dante Adams is I like to have receivers higher usually. I don't like to go all running backs early. But um, wide receiver this year, for me anyway, is uh, I feel like there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of question marks with the top receivers this year. So um, I got to about number seven where I'm like, okay, I can't pass up on Devonte Adams. Uh, I know the Packers are going to a more run-heavy offense and – but there's not a lot of, uh, there's not, you know, they didn't draft a receiver in the draft like they were sp- like expected to. And he's their number one receiver, and that's all they have. And with his talent, I just think that uh, he's actually going to have a more productive year than he had last year. He had some injuries last year that kind of cut down on that production. But I I think he's going to have, I think he's going to be the top receiver this year. And I was high on him last year, and uh, I, I just am that more excited about him this year. How about you, Eric? Yeah, you know, I think that he will be the highest-scoring receiver in this year. Um, or this year, And I, I thought he had the chance to do the same last year. Obviously, as you mentioned, he got the, his season was somewhat derailed um, with uh, injuries. Uh, and I think that really held him back. And I think that he's shown over his career with Aaron Rodgers the connection that they have. Um, they can get a lot of targets, um, a lot of yards, and get you know a high volume of touchdowns. I think that he is one of the safest bets you can have, get in the draft, um, regardless of position. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the, the receiver to get in um, 2020. Um, the Michael Thomas I've seen last year had a phenomenal year. I don't see that year being repeated. Mm-hmm. And um, I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but I think that Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in 2020, and that's why I have him at number seven overall. And who's the like who's he competing with 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 targets? I mean, uh, yeah. not to say that Green Bay is not going to have a number two receiver, but you know, there's there's no one uh, at a high caliber like Adams that you're going to try to force feed the ball. So really, I mean, he's he's a one man show in regards to uh, getting targets in that offense. So. You know, and, uh, yeah, Ellen Lazard is going to be the number two receiver for. Um, Green Bay, I think he'll probably end up being number two, and I think you're you know, again Devonte Adams has shown that without having a you know another receiver to take off that um, that coverage, that double coverage um, that he might face, he's still successful. And so mm-hmm. even though he doesn't have a number two to take off some of that pressure, um, I, I feel very safe with Adams at seven overall. Nice. Well, then uh, that will make us move over to number eight, and we actually differ on this one. I have Michael Thomas. And uh, I'll let you discuss who you have, but uh, I'll talk about Michael Thomas. And I have him a little bit higher than what I thought going into this. I I agree with what you said, uh, you know, when you were talking about Devontae Adams. I think he's up for regression. He's never had a number two receiver that you were really scared of. Um, You know, Ted Ginn wasn't, I mean, he's a nice player, but he's not someone that's going to take away targets. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is someone that potentially could take away uh, targets. And... You know, the year that he had was uh, kind of like uh, Christian McCaffrey. It was a historic year, and I, I just don't see how he can repeat that. And with the added weapons that the Saints have on their offense, I, I just see a drop in targets with Michael Thomas. Having said that, um, he's such a consistent receiver. 
Uh, last year, you know, he'd have like two points and then in garbage time get you like, you know, uh, 40 yards and a touchdown. He just consistently was uh, getting you that 10 to 14 points. And in a first round pick, you want something that's going to be, uh, you want that consistency. You don't like to play the guessing game of, you know, the, the hot or cold game. And, and, and Michael Thomas was definitely a receiver that gave you that week to week. You knew what you were getting from him. So it was hard to uh, put him any lower than this. And uh, Eric, who who do you have at number eight? Well, I have uh, Miles Sanders at number eight. And I'll talk a little bit about um, Michael Thomas before I get to Sanders. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that if I, if I walk out of a draft and I have Michael Thomas on my team, I'm very happy. I think he's going to have a very good year. Um, like you said, though, I don't think he's going to uh, repeat the year that he had last year. Um, very consistent performer. I just see some of that production coming down this this year for a couple reasons. One, I think Emmanuel Sanders has proven to be a, a very good receiver in this league, um, a very good underneath um, receiver, and I think that he's going to be able to take some of those targets that um, you know went to Michael Thomas because it wasn't an option. I think very uh, often Breeze would look for Michael Thomas, and and you know he's talented enough to make the plays, but would force that in. Um, to Michael Thomas when you didn't have to if, if he would have another option. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, I think that you're going to see Sanders get the ball a little bit. Also, a little bit of change in the way this offense. I, I, I can see it potentially changing with Taysom Hill. Um, you know, just there's a little bit of dynamics of change here, or of change here at, that I could see playing into his production. Down at the goal line, um, you saw with Kamara at the end of the year, um, obviously he had battled some injuries as well, but you saw Taysom Hill starting to have a larger role in the offense. And I think that um, could continue, and that could have a little bit of impact on Michael Thomas. Um, so getting to um, my pick, I have Miles Sanders. Um, I think Miles Sanders was a running back last year that most people had on their draft list, someone who thought would be a rookie that would produce well, and he did. Um, you know, he started uh, off a little bit slow and got more opportunities as the year went along, and at, towards the end of the year, he's one of the hottest receivers, I'm sorry, one of the hottest running backs um, in the league. 167 points with a rookie who battled injuries too. I think he's pretty impressive, and I think he's the clear number one um, running back in Philadelphia. And I think they're going to rely on him heavily. So I think that he is well positioned to have a big year, and that's why I had him at number eight over Thomas. Good pick. What would you say? Because uh, I've obviously been hearing a lot of news about uh, Peterson and his reluctance to have a bell cow type running back. He likes the committees. Do you feel like that's going to be an issue going into the season? No, I don't think so. I think you saw the committee, you know, kind of approach early. Obviously, Miles Sanders was a rookie. Um, so you saw somewhat of a committee approach earlier as it went along. It was clearly Miles Sanders because the person, because he was able to show production. And, um, you know, he was able to show um, what he can do as a running back. And so I think the same will be true that when you get the guy out there and you see the plays that he can make, that they're not, as much as they want to have a committee, you're going to get the guy, the ball, that can actually produce for you and that can be an explosive playmaker, which he clearly was last year, especially in those last five games. So I think that uh, Miles Sanders um, is going to be the guy, and I don't have significant concern with uh, um, you know Peterson and, and some of those comments. Yeah, I would agree with you on Sanders. I think it uh, would be blasphemy to uh, not use Sanders. You know, like I believe in the committee. Well, we have a running back that was doing what Sanders was doing. Um, you're really hurting the team and the production that you, you know the the Eagles can have on offense. So I don't see how you uh, you know proceed a a theory over just the production that Sanders can produce. So, all right. Well, 
On to number nine. I have Alvin Kamara next and uh, the back-to-back Saints. And Kamara was actually a little bit higher than what I was uh, uh, planning on as well because, you know, I like your point of Taysom Hill. I really like Taysom Hill this year as just a player because, you know, the signing of Jameis Winston, he's no longer, you know, when Teddy Bridgewater was there, he also had to be the backup quarterback. They don't have that issue anymore, so they can actually use him in a lot of different ways. Uh, Not that they didn't before, but they can use him more often than they did before. And so I definitely think that, uh, especially at the goal line, takes away from Alvin Kamara. But Alvin Kamara has always been a player that didn't need a lot of touches to be productive, and he's he's a big play type of running back, and he can do it through the air and through you know on the ground. And I don't see another running back. Uh, I, I guess it goes back to that consistency. I need my first round running back to be consistent, or my first round receiver. Um, if I I can get that consistency through my first two picks, that I can start taking chances later on. And I just feel like Alvin Kamara is a consistent running back. And I I know last year he kind of had a down year. He had some big games, but more often than not, uh, he he wasn't meeting expectations. But I also think that's a a product of uh, Drew Brees being hurt from a lot of the year. And I really felt like towards the end of the year where uh, Drew Brees was healthy and the offense was clicking, Alvin Kamara was showing what he was capable of doing, and that's what you can expect, uh, you know, for the 2020 season. And uh, so, Burke, what do you have at number nine? At number nine, I have um, Michael Thomas. And so, I, you know, I think we've talked quite a bit about Michael Thomas. So I don't have anything else I need to add at number nine, but um, I have Michael Thomas at number nine overall. All right. Perfect. And uh, we'll move on right along to number 10 then. And. Number 10, I have Miles Sanders, and I'm not going to say too much about Miles Sanders. I think uh, Burke was able to kind of uh, explain Miles Sanders' situation right now. Uh, I really agree with him in regards to him being the main running back in that offense, and the way he produced at the end of the season, I don't see a logical reason why they wouldn't use him that way, and he was man he was an electric player he was exciting to watch uh he gets a lot of targets uh through the air uh, a lot of carries and so i i he's actually gained a lot of steam recently uh you were able to get him uh, as late as the third round and just within like the last week and a half he shot up to you know the uh the, the top the end of the first and i think that's a good spot for him right now uh, i mean obviously there's that concern about you know, Peterson making sure that uh, it's a committee situation. But, I mean, who else is on the roster right now? Boston Scott, um, he, he definitely has some games where he was productive, but I just don't see how you, you, you take away uh, those uh, those touches for Miles Sanders. So he, he's definitely my number 10, and if you're able to get Miles Sanders at the end of the first round, then that's kind of a steal in my eyes. And uh, so, Burke, who do you have at number 10? Um, well, I just adding Thomas, I agree with you. Or, I'm sorry, adding Sanders, I agree with you that, uh, you know, yeah, you can have a, uh, an approach where you may favor a committee, but you have to have the players to do it. And I just don't see anyone in Miles Sanders' class that's on um, that roster. So, again, um, as you stated, I don't think that there's any threat to his, his production this upcoming year. Um, but uh, for my number 10 is Alvin Kamara. 
Um, you know, you talked about where you have um, Kamara, and I think he's a, a phenomenal player. There's just a couple things that um, coming into this year, you know, I had him really high last year, uh, battled some injuries, but he came on late in the year, like you said. Um, but there's a couple things that have me just have him down a little bit in the draft compared to where I've seen him in at other um, draft rankings. Um, the reason I have him at number 10, again, t- uh, Taysom Hill. You saw that Taysom Hill started to play a heavy role in the goal line um, offense for the Saints. Um, you know, So you had that. You also have Latavius Murray, who takes uh, quite a bit of goal line carries as well. And then Ty Montgomery was signed by the Saints as well. That was I a don't good think signing. He's, what's that? I said that was a good signing. Yeah, and you know I don't see that as much as a carry threat, but Kamara is a very good um, receiving back, and and so is Montgomery. And I could see some of those touches that once went to uh, Kamara now going to Montgomery, and so um, I could see a little more of a committee use. Um, you know, we're talking about a committee for Sanders. I could see a little more of a committee um, in the Saints. Again, I still I, I'm not a true committee because Kamara is still going to be uh, the carry the lion's share. But I do see some of his touches going down in 2020, which is why he went down in my draft rankings. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Ty Montgomery. I think the only reason why no one's even talking about him is was because he went to, you know, an Adam Gase offense for a year, and uh, they basically forgot about him. But uh, he, he's definitely intriguing in regards to, uh, you know, how the Saints are going to use that backfield. So, moving along to number 11. We both have a receiver. We just both have a different receiver. At number 11, I have Julio Jones, wide receiver for the Falcons. And my my big hang-up on Julio Jones is he doesn't score touchdowns. And I really would like him to score more touchdowns than he does. He has some great matchups that you think he's going to dominate, and he doesn't. Um, but the volume is there. He gets a lot of targets. He's... You know, yardage-wise, he's really consistent, and he's the number one receiver in the Falcons, and uh, he has been for many years. And, again, it goes back to, you know, he's a first-round pick, and you want that consistency, and Julio Jones provides that consistency. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, outside of, obviously, Thomas and Adams, I don't see another receiver that's I'd feel confident about to give me that, uh, that, that constant volume and, and – uh, I guess possibility for having a, a big game, so he he's my third receiver in the first round, and uh, he's he's my eleventh overall pick if I was to draft today. And uh, Burke, who do you have at number eleven? Um, I have uh, I have Hill. Um, I have Terry Kill at number eleven. Um, you know, Terry Kill. I agree with what you said with Julio. Um, I think that Julio Jones is one of the most consistent receivers out there and so when you're in the first round you want to go that consistency um but what worries me is the same thing is that lack of touchdown production and it boggles my mind that you can have julio jones in a red zone situation and you have three plays until you get a target that's something i've never been able to understand watching the falcons offense i would be throwing that that, the ball in his direction uh probably three times out of uh, three attempts um but they don't do that and so um here here's where i moved him down a little bit why i chose hill um, I moved Julio down a little bit just because of the fact that, again, he, he has not been consistently um, getting those touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, to me, I think is a, is a legitimate threat to some of those yardage coming up this next season. Now, Tyree Kill, 
um, like I said, you want to have that consistency. And so here I'm, I'm giving up a little consistency for what I see is that big play explosiveness can put up, um, you know, a, a large volume of points with some long um, touchdowns. And I, and I see the Chiefs offense, no sign of slowing down. And I think Tyreek Hill, um, you know, he didn't have as, as productive years um, um, you know, last year as he did the one before. But obviously that was um, could be some of the injuries. You had injuries to Mahomes. You had injuries to Tyreek Hill. And I just think Tyreek Hill is – um, you know, well positioned to have a, a you know, a, I don't want to say a breakout year, uh, but a very good, um, highly productive fantasy year. No, I agree. And I, I think, you know, devil's advocate on Hill is, you know, the Chiefs offense is, is pretty explosive. So it, you know, Hill is definitely the main receiver, but how often are, you know, how, they're going to distribute the ball around and, and is that going to cut into Tyreek Hill's uh, volume and then with the you know Julio Jones, Hooper and Sanu uh, being gone, is that going to increase the the need to force feed the ball to Julio Jones? And so, uh, not that you know you're wrong or I'm I'm right. It's just uh, that was my deciding factor between the two receivers. No, that's a good point. Uh, you know, just as I said that there was some Calvin Ridley threats to Julio's yards. I think McCall Hardman is also a threat to um, some of Tyree Kill's production. So I think both have that. Um, just after seeing a few years of the inability to get touchdowns, I you know I, I lean to Tyree Kill this year. Um, but I think Julio is a you know a very solid pick. If you walk out of the draft, you know, with uh, Julio Jones on your roster, I think you're you're in good shape. Yep, agreed. Either one. All right. So moving along to number 12, I have, this is kind of a surprise, but I really, really like him. And I, I, I hear mixed things about, uh, you know, the, the situation with the Chargers, but I have Austin Eckler and I am a huge Austin Eckler guy this year. Um, you saw what he did when Melvin Gordon was holding out. He's you know, through the air, on the ground. I mean, he was he was the number one running back before Gordon came uh, came back, well, outside of McCaffrey. And I, I don't see, you know, Justin Jackson, they got that Joshua Kelly in the fourth round, but I still don't see how that's going to affect Austin Eckler and, and why you wouldn't use him as your main running back. And especially with having, to, you know, Phillip Rivers is gone, they have Tyrod Taylor, and uh, they might be mixing in Justin uh, Herbert from uh, Oregon. Um, people are worried that that might affect him. But again, I just I, I don't see it. Um, it. It's easy to get the ball to the running back, through, you know, in the passing game, and um, he's just pretty uh, uh, multi-dimensional in the running game. So I have him as the uh, if I can get him as, as my you know this last pick in the first round, I'm gonna definitely take advantage of that. And uh, so, Eric, who do you have? You know, I, um, I really like Eckler this year as well. Um, you know, for my 12th um, pick, um, I have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, now, this is obviously a case, uh, as you talked to Julio, um, you know, one one of the most consistent receivers in all of football. Um, there's This can go either way with Hopkins, and, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, obviously, you can trade Darius on the Cardinals. They're going to throw the ball a lot, and – I think he's going to get quite a bit of targets, um, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot more mouth to repeat 
Larry Fitzgerald is still a very good receiver. Um, you know, is a, a very consistent red zone threat. Um, you know, you have Christian Kirk, um, Isabella Butler, um, guys that also are talented as well. Um, but I thought I felt with just Kyler Murray, the volume of how much they're going to throw that ball, and the, the talent that he brings, I feel like he's a very consistent, safe pick. Um, you know, I don't see much regression from him from what he had in Houston. Um, he may not jump to the level that we would think in a passing system just because there's other other uh, um, threats that I talked about as far as Christian Kirk and Fitzgerald. Um, but I, I do see him having some of the production he's had this past couple of years and maybe a little bit of an increase. So I think Hopkins is a safe pick at number 12. All right. I would definitely agree. I, I like Hopkins, and again, I think, you know, you, you kind of uh, laid out what the, uh, the big issue might be, and that's uh, just how, uh, how many weapons their offense has with uh, Fitzgerald and Kirk. So. But uh, definitely he's a, a number one receiver. And you also worry about him going to a new place. You're not sure how he fits in with the offense. But, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is, I mean, his route running, his receiving, like everything about him, his hands uh, is just so solid. So uh, it's a good pick. Uh, welcome to our second round of our fantasy mock draft. Um, I will tell you who my 13th overall pick is um, for the upcoming year, and that is Julio Jones. Um, we've talked quite a bit about Julio Jones, just the, the consistency. Um, you know, he's, he's someone that's going to get you about 10 to 12 points um, every week. And so he's a very consistent receiver. Again, I have some concerns about the lack of red zone targets, the lack of touchdowns. Um, but someone who is a very consistent receiver. And if I'm turning the first pick of the second round, I'm going with Julio Jones to help solidify my team. Um, Jason, who do you have at um, number 13? 13, I have Mr. Joe Mixon. And, you know, he had a disappointing season last year, especially at the beginning. Um, I was actually able to trade for him because it was so bad. But he really started coming on towards the end of the season. And, um I know that he had, you know, Ryan Finley as his quarterback and, and some really bad quarterback play, so that didn't help him at all. Um, and then he's going to have a rookie in Joe Burrow. But he's one of the last remaining backs that is a bell cow kind of back for me where, you know, he's going to get the receiving targets. He's going to get the, the, all the carries uh, in the running game. And the Bengals are notoriously a bad football team, and – He's uh, he, he's still able to produce um, despite that. And I like the fact that they've kind of focused on the offensive line a little bit. So I, I feel like the improvement in the offensive line, not that, I mean, I still feel like they have a ways to go in their offensive line, but couldn't be any worse than last year. And I like, I like that spot for him. Um, he's a little too risky for me to take in the first round, but if I'm at the top of the second, and uh, I can get a running back like Joe Mixon, I want to take advantage of it. So um, it's, again, I think with the, the Bengals offense, they actually have a, a lot of great weapons. I mean, they have the, the drafted T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green's going to be back. So it, the focus isn't going to be on Mixon to, to you know, carry the, the load, and uh, he, uh, he can be productive in that type of environment. 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Mixon is a, a solid player to get upcoming year. Um, makes sense why you haven't had him there at number 13. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to my 14th pick, and this is someone who you called on earlier, the Austin Eckler. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, I think, is a, a very good running back. I think that he's going to have a very good year. Um, you saw what he did when Melvin Gordon was out in San Diego. Now he doesn't have that. Um, Melvin Gordon there, obviously Melvin Gordon's down in Denver. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, um, there there are some other running backs there that could take some of those carries, but I, I don't see this as a committee. I still see uh, Austin Eckler um, with, as the lead back in, um, you know, for the Chargers in L.A. The only, the only thing that um, the reason I had him a little bit lower in, in this draft, and, and uh, you know, I, I debated about having him at that uh, 12 spot, you know, um, but the reason I have him in that position is you know, 12, 13 is where I looked at where I have now. 14 is just, I, I think I'm going to see some, redu- um, I guess, uh, regression in the rece- receptions this year. You know, Philip Rivers didn't have a great year. He he wasn't his normal Philip Rivers self, and we've seen his, his level play, which last year was not what we would expect. Um, but he's still Philip Rivers, and I still could see him getting the ball to a back out of the backfield, you know, being a lot more proficient at it than a Herbert or a Taylor. And so I can also see the defense is kind of loading up on um, the, the box and, and making Tyrod or Herbert beat them with their arms. And so they're going to have to prove they can do that before things get a whole lot easier for Eckler. Um, so one of the reasons why I, I have him at 14, it just comes with some of those challenges, but as far as talent, um, you know, catches, uh, you know, carries, Austin Eckler, I, I think, is still poised for a very big year. Yep, and um, I think, you know, we both can agree we're pretty big Austin Eckler fans. We both have him ranked higher than where he should go. And, you know, Austin Eckler, he's the greatest football player I've ever seen from Western State outside of a uh, quarterback from 97 that was there. Um, moving on to number 14, Chris Godwin is who I have, and he is a wide receiver for the Buccaneers. Uh, everyone knows that, but the, the reason why I have him so high is uh, Tampa Bay, you know, they got Tyler Johnson in the draft, who I, I like from Minnesota. I know there's been mixed reviews on him. I actually really like him, but uh, I don't feel like, you know, outside of Gronkowski and obviously with Brady, um, Bruce Arians likes to throw the ball, and, and Godwin is just, he's consistent, he's the big play guy. I, I think he's number one over Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans is hit or miss, you know, he's you know getting you like 40 points one week and then zero the next week. Godwin is at least going to get you those 70 yards and a touchdown every week. And uh, he's talented, and you know, Jameis Winston turned the ball over a lot. With Brady, I think that will kind of settle down the offense a little bit where they'll be able to actually have sustained drives. And I think that will increase the uh, usage of Chris Godwin and, and increase his targets that he had. And Bruce Arians, even though he has some weapons at tight end, he's never really thrown to the tight end position very much uh, throughout his coaching career. He, he really likes his receivers, and so a lot of his... Uh, the offense and the Bruce Arians offense is, is going outside of the numbers. And so uh, I'm really big on Chris Godwin. Uh, yeah, you're not going to find a, a much bigger fan of Chris Godwin than I. Um, so I think he's going to have, he's had a, a very good, um, you know, last couple of years, and I think he will have a great year up in 2020. Um, if we're moving on to the next pick here, um, so we are number 15 overall. 
Um, this is one that might surprise um, you, Mizek, and it might surprise some of um, our listeners. And it was one that I, you know, was working through this process that is, it was interesting to see that I have Kenyan Drake here. Um, Kenyan Drake um, is obviously, we've talked about some uh, individuals or players escaping the Adams Gate system in Miami and, and finding success. Well, I don't think there's any um, more, uh, you know, a person that captures that story more than Kenyan Drake. He went to Arizona Cardinals and had a phenomenal year and a very explosive year. Um, and I think that with David Johnson no longer there and just Drake now, I think he's the clear running back for um, Arizona. And he can fit that single back system. He catches the ball well. He's got that speed um, that fits well in that fast-paced system with Arizona. And I think that we could see Ken and Drake have a very – uh, a, a very strong year in 2020, which is interesting that the, the production that he produced um, last year was what we all thought we were going to see in Miami, but never came to fruition. So um, we've always seen the talent that Kenny Drake brings. Uh, I think the right uh, system is what he needed, and I think he's found it in uh, Arizona. Uh, Jason, who do you have for number 15? 15, I actually am still sticking at the wide receiver position. I, I do like Kenyon Drake. I agree with what you said. But I have Kenny Galladay, wide receiver for the Lions. And the reason why I like him in that spot is because if you can get a receiver who, no matter who the quarterback is, because, I mean, you know, they had Jeff Driscoll. He got hurt. They had, what, David Blau? And he, you know, Galladay was still pr- uh, producing under David Blau. So if you can get a receiver that's, uh, it's almost like Larry Fitzgerald, you know, you have bad quarterback play and you can still get production from it. That's a guy that's worth having on your, your fantasy football roster. And if I'm, you know, uh, at the beginning of the second round or even towards the middle of the second round and I can get a Kenny Galladay that uh, can give me that, um, his, his numbers with uh, Matthew Stafford were uh, even more solid than with, uh, you know, obviously than the, uh, the backup quarterbacks. And um, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I believe he was like – consistently was averaging 14 points a game with uh, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, before he got hurt, was having an unbelievable year. And, you know, I, I don't foresee Matthew Stafford getting hurt again. So if he can have a full season with Matthew Stafford, I think that brings him into potentially a top five receiver uh, by the, you know, at the end of the year. So uh, I'm really happy to, to take someone like that at this point in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 15 to get Galladay. I think Galladay's a uh... You know, a very impressive receiver. Like you said, he was able to produce with you know all, all different quarterbacks. And if Matt Stafford can stay healthy, um, I think that they could uh, put up quite a bit of points there um, as as a as a unit as a fantasy team there. So I got a great pick at 15, and uh, looking forward to hear who you have at number 16 overall. All right. Well, a lot to add over uh, what Burke mentioned of Tyreek Hill when he had him at 11. I just think uh, the reason why I moved him down my list a little bit is the Kansas City Chiefs have a potent offense, but they have a lot of weapons. And obviously I think what played into it as well is Terry Kill, uh, not that he's injury prone, but he, he definitely misses a couple games a year with uh, some nagging injuries. Uh, he's done it the last couple years. And so that concerns me a little bit, but you know, if I'm here at uh, you know the 16th pick or even later, uh, I'm definitely, uh, he's my top option. He's so dynamic. He's a playmaker. He can blow the top off of the defenses. And um, 
he's kind of what stirs the drink in the uh, Kansas City passing game. Uh, Mahomes is amazing, of course, but uh, everything's predicated off of what Tyreek Hill's doing. So I think he actually makes the other receivers around him better, and uh, that's why I have him at number 16. And, and Burke, who do you have? Uh, for number 16, I have Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, I think uh, a really talented running back, going very well as um, uh, last season. I think he's a very good back for um, Las Vegas Raiders. The only thing that um, has me, you know, I said last year he was probably closer to the 12th spot and now at 16. Um, the, the change in that for me, obviously, year to year things changes, but, you know, he still is not involved that much in the passing game. Um, you know, a, a very good uh, first and second down back that does not have a lot of opportunity in the passing game, um, which is unfortunate because I think he could play that role very well, and I would like to see him get those opportunities in Las Vegas. Um, but um, unfortunately, um, he doesn't. And you look at, you know, some of the running backs that they have. They just brought in, you know, uh, Devontae Booker from Denver. Uh, Devontae Booker is not going to take any carries away from him, but Devontae Booker has been a decent um, receiving back in the NFL, Jalen Rashard as another um, good receiving back. So I, I think that we're not going to see Josh Jacobs get the full exposure that we would like to see. Um, but I still think um, from a, a volume aspect and you know the goal line carries and the touchdown opportunities, I think that uh, Josh Jacobs is a very good back to have at number 16. All right. Jason, who do you have at 16? I... Uh, he- Already mentioned 16. It's uh, number 17, which... Uh, no, that's right, 17. 17, and uh, it's funny because I'm going to basically do another synopsis on Josh Jacobs because that's who I have. I have him right after you at 17. And Josh Jacobs is a, is a guy that I really wanted in my top five talent-wise. I think he's a, an amazing running back. I just don't like how the Raiders use him. Um, he can be a bell cow type of back that can get uh, a lot of receiving and rushing yards. And I feel like, you know, they're pretty dependent on Jalen Richard for the receiving. And, and they take him out, uh, you know, and it could be just because he was a rookie, but maybe not. And uh, I felt like there's a lot of situations that they could have used Jacobs that they kind of failed uh, to do. And uh, is that a Gruden thing? Uh, I don't know. But uh, I, I felt like... They could have been. They could have used Josh Jacobs a lot more than they did, and you know, with that, that those questions in my mind, I had to drop him down to the middle of the second round. Um, I feel like he's definitely a value pick there. He has huge upside um, if he decides. You know, if the, the offense is uh, more predicated off of his ability. Um, you can get a steal at this point, getting him at, at, at where he's, I have him listed. But uh, until he kind of proves it on the field, um, that's where I feel comfortable drafting him. And uh, Burke, who do you have at 17? Well, I'll, I'll make sure I, I pick 17. Uh, 17, I have Chris Godwin. Um, okay. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of Chris Godwin. Um, I think that he's going to have a very good year. Um, you know, I, I wanted to push Godwin a little bit higher in my rankings. The only reason I have him where I do is is because, you know, with Rob Gronkowski, um, Brady, Buddy Howard, and you have, um, you know, Mike Evans as well. I think Tom Brady is going to bring a little more of uh, consistency as far as targets, um, you know, across the board. And I think that, you know, he's, he doesn't always focus on one individual, and I think that he can spread it around more. Uh, I think that means that that entire core that I just mentioned, specifically Evans and, um, you know, uh, Gronk and 
uh, Godwin, I think are going to have um, strong years. And so I, I think they're, they're going to have a great year um, as far as a receiving core. Uh, Godwin's going to have a good year. I just see a little bit of a, a reduction um, based on the fact of who's at quarterback this year. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, moving on to 18, I actually don't like to do this usually, but I I couldn't see myself if that person happened to be sitting there at 18. I don't see a scenario where I wouldn't take him, and that's Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Chiefs. Um, I'm definitely a guy that waits until you know as long as I I've gone drafts where I haven't drafted a quarterback to like the 12th round. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But, you know, you have someone like Patrick Mahomes who's just – he's so dynamic. He's bad uh, – or he's good defense-proof, which means if he's facing a top passing defense, it doesn't matter. He still produces. And I think the only thing that really held him back last year was, you know, the the kneecap injury he got against Denver uh, where he, he missed, you know, three to four weeks. Uh, you take that out of the equation, and he, he's still one of the top quarterbacks. And I think he's right, you know – he'd be right up there with uh, the season that Lamar Jackson had. And, you know, you hear the off-season rumors about him, you know, not being able to understand defenses that well and having a better grasp on defenses this year. I mean, that's even more tantalizing to be like, wow, you know, he was able to do that without being able to read defenses, and now he has a better ability to do that. Like, what's he going to look like now? So, I mean, more than likely someone in your draft's going to go crazy over Mahomes and draft him way early. But if he's sitting there at this point of the draft, I just can't see me not taking him. Berkeley. Yeah, you know, I I don't have um, in the region. I, I don't have Mahomes in in my uh, top twenty four. Um, the, the reason I say that is that I'm I'm like you, exactly. But I tend not to draft a quarterback until later, usually the seventh round or after, is when I start looking at quarterbacks. Um, but I agree with you. If I was at the end of the second round. Um, and then I saw Patrick Mahomes there, and, and my fancy draft, I'm, I'm probably going to jump on Patrick Mahomes. I usually count on people to draft Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the first round or in the top 15 picks, and that's earlier than I want to draft a quarterback. So, um, you know, I don't have him on my list, but I agree with you. If I'm, I'm later in this draft here, if uh, Patrick Mahomes is sitting there, I, I'm absolutely going to draft him in my upcoming season. Um, looking at uh, number 18 for me, uh, this hour, I have Joe Mixon. Um, everything that you mentioned with Joe Mixon, I think, are the reasons why I decided about him for a fantasy football season. Um, the only things that I have as concerns for him, um, obviously Joe Burrow um, coming as a rookie quarterback, I think obviously a very talented quarterback, but a rookie. Um, are they going to try and uh, make Joe Burrow beat them early as far as the defense? And, and similar to Josh Jacobs, the thing that um, has been disappointing is the lack of passing or receiving opportunities that Mixon has had. And... He's, he's demonstrated when he has the chance to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a very good receiver and can make plays out of the backfield. Um, his volume in that regard is just low. And um, so that's why I have him a little bit lower. Again, same reasons as Jacobs, but uh, Joe Mixon is my number 18. And, you know, just to touch up on your point, you know, Giovanni Bernard being on that team, I think, has a lot to do with that. I mean, he's a great receiving running back. So, you know, that definitely isn't something that you could look forward to, you know, to it changing. So, um, going, moving along right now to number 19, I have DeAndre Hopkins and wide receiver for the Cardinals. And, 
he's lower than what I wanted. I really wanted him in my top 12. Um, but I'm worried about the change to the Cardinals uh, offense. How does he how does he make that transition? And then on top of that, um, there's a lot of weapons on the Cardinals. You know, you have Drake, you have Kirk, you have Fitzgerald, you have Isabella, you have Butler. Um, there's just a lot there. And uh, you have Kyler Murray. I mean, he's a running threat. And uh, there's just only so many uh, balls that to go around that whole offense. And um, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the main guy. But there's still a lot of questions for me in regards to how he's going to be utilized. And until I see it, it makes me nervous to put him any higher. Uh, Burke, who do you have at 19? At 19, um, I have Cooper Cup. Um, Cooper Cup, I think, is one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL. Um, I think that um, he's set up well for a a great 2020 fantasy season. Um, Has a high volume of targets, um, red zone threats. And um, I see with some changes in this offense, I don't see the Rams necessarily playing with the lead a lot this year. Um, I think it's a, a team that is going to be taking a step back. Obviously, there's no Todd Gurley. You're going to be running back by committee. Brandon Cooks is no longer there. you got Robert Woods, Higby, who came on late, and you got Cooper Cup. And I see that Goff's most trusted receiver is Cooper Cup, and I just see them trailing the games and feeding the ball to Cooper Cup. So I think from a volume standpoint, even though this is a non-PBR draft, I still think the Cooper Cup is a solid receiver um, to add to your team. Um, I mean, you're talking the you know, 19th overall pick. I think Cooper Cup is a, a great fit here. No, and I love Cooper Cup. He's actually one of my favorite receivers, having had him on my teams. And I, my only, I guess, playing devil's advocate on Cup, my only concern is their uh, change in philosophy midway through the season where they were going uh, to a lot of two tight end sets, and then you look at having Everett and Higby. Um, they're obviously going to occupy the middle of the field where Cooper Cup does a lot of his work. Do you see that affecting Cooper Cup's production at all? Yeah, I think there's that there's that potential, but I, I don't see it have a significant impact on um, his production. I think most of the change was that you know they didn't have the running game that they once had before. You know, obviously they had Todd Gurley was clearly not 100 percent or they didn't have confidence that he was 100%. So I think that was some of the reason they changed that two tight end set. Um, now, they got mobile backs here that I think that they're going to be running back by committee. I think that they're um, going to be back to that fast pace offense. So I still think that Cooper Cup is going to be able to produce over the middle of the field. I don't see ever um, digging into that too much. No, I, th- I think it's a good call. I'm obviously really high on Cooper Cup, so uh, good choice. All right, uh, for pick 20, uh, I have Mike Evans. Um, as I talked about earlier, I think with Tom Brady, um, we're, we're going to see that ball spread around um, across the receiving core. Um, you know, Mike Evans has been a very good receiver in the NFL. Um, like Mizak mentioned earlier, that you know sometimes he can um, have a you know a lot of production that kind of disappear for a week. Um, I, I see that consistency in play improving with Tom Brady. I think just more meticulous in how he approaches the game. So I, I have Mike Evans as having a, a very good year and a lot of production. So I have Mike Evans as number 20 um, in my um, draft rankings. Ms. Uh, who do you have for number 20? I have Aaron Jones running back from the Packers. And it was tough. Um, but, you know, looking over the uh, what was available – 
Aaron Jones is one of the last like bell cow type of backs. I know Jamal Williams is there, and they drafted AJ Dillon, so uh, you know he could be used. But the what the draft showed me for the Packers was that they were going to commit to the run, and Aaron Jones is the best running back on that team, and so I actually feel like they're going to try to uh, not get away from the pass because you can't it's the NFL, but they're going to. Uh, definitely have a game plan where they're going to try to pound the ball on the ground, play good defense, and win that way. And so I think that bodes well for Aaron Jones. And I think he's the best receiving running back they have on Green Bay too. So even if they were going to pass it, Aaron Jones is their best option. So uh, really kind of nitpicking at the, at the 20th pick uh, of what was available, Aaron Jones definitely kind of stood out to me as the guy that I would, I would want there just for those reasons. I, I don't see another team that's going to probably uh, commit more to the run than the, than, than the Packers this year. I, you know, I agree. I think Aaron Jones is in a, a great position to put up a fantasy production this year. Um, had a, a great season last year. Um, you saw a change in um, the approach in Green Bay. Um, more run-focused than what we've normally seen out of Green Bay. I think that carries over next year. I think you saw that in the draft and how that played out. So um, AJ, I'm sorry, AJ Dillon was drafted in the second round by Green Bay, um, but I don't think he's an immediate threat to Aaron Jones as a different style of back. And as you said, Aaron Jones is uh, still a very good receiving back. So a very good pick for number 20. Um, moving on to pick 21, um, this is where I have Kenny Galladay. Again, um, just a very consistent wide receiver, as uh, Mizak mentioned, can be able to um, you know, play consistently with David Blau and Matt Stafford and a variety of quarterbacks, but a very talented, consistent wide receiver that I'd be thrilled to get at number 21 in the fantasy draft. Um, Jason, who do you have at number 21? Um, and 21, I have Lamar Jackson, QB for the Ravens. And I hate to do this again because I, I don't draft quarterbacks in the first couple of rounds, but if it's the end of the second and I get Lamar Jackson, um, I'm I gotta take that because Lamar Jackson is not just a number one quarterback; he's also a number one running back. I mean, you rush for a thousand yards at the quarterback position. Uh, th- I mean, you're basically getting a number one running back and number one quarterback all in one. I, I definitely feel like there's gonna be a regression with Lamar Jackson. Um, I think teams are gonna start copying what the Steelers did with him, where they hit him every chance they had. And they were one of the few defenses to be able to limit his productivity. Um, obviously, in NFL offseason, uh, they're going to be able to scheme for, for things like that. So uh, unless he's able to use his other weapons on offense, um, it, it could cause some problems. But the potential and what he's capable of is there. And I, it's just too, he's just too talented for me not to take him at that spot. Yeah, I, I do understand that. You know, I, I think most people are going to see in their actual fantasy drafts, they're going to see Lamar Jackson go in the first round. And for me, um, and I think for you as well, like, that's too early for you. Um, but if I had the opportunity to draft him or you just did in the NFL draft, I think that we'd all look at that opportunity and, and, and as one that we couldn't pass up. Um, I see some progression for uh, Lamar Jackson this year as well. Um, but I still think because, you know, predominantly because how effective he is in a rusher, and the rushing touchdowns, I, I see him continue to have a very good fantasy season uh, this year. Um, moving on to uh, my next pick, um, number 22 is Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm not one that normally 
um, targets tight ends real early in the draft. However, Travis Kelsey is one of the most consistent tight ends in football. You're, you're looking at 150 points, 160 points from a fantasy perspective from a tight end, which is you know right in line with all these receivers that we're talking about right now. 1,200 yards, you know, eight touchdowns. That is a very good production, production that you'd want to get from your receiver. So when I'm looking at you know, the end of this draft, the second round, I'm looking at kind of as you did, and it's like that you have an opportunity to take an explosive, um, you know, talented player, whether it's Mahomes earlier or Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, the, you're looking at that, but you're also looking for just that consistent player. And Travis Kelsey is that consistent player for me, and that's why I have him number 22 overall. Um, I do know there's a lot of um, weapons in Kansas City, and will that have an impact on his targets? I think it will, but also I think it makes it harder um, with the development of Nicole Hardman, obviously Tyra Kill. Um, I think that Travis Kills is harder to dedicate double coverage to, given the fact that you have even a growing arsenal of weapons in Kansas City. So Travis Kelsey at number 22. Nice. I like it. And uh, I am basically going to be talking about someone else that you've already mentioned uh, a few picks earlier. I have Mike Evans at 22, uh, wide receiver for the Buccaneers. And, you know, the I agree with Burke in regards to I don't think he has those games where he disappears. I think Tom Brady understands the, you know, the, the offense a little bit better. He's, he, he's, he's not going to turn the ball over like Jameis Winston did. And... Uh, I think he's going to be a little more consistent, and he's he's a talent. I mean, he's six four, uh, tall target that Tom Brady can use. He's, he's definitely going to use him, and I, you know, he Mike Evans was a guy that was going in the first rounds the last couple of years. So if you're able to get him at the end of the second, with the, uh, uh, I think his targets go up this year, um, just for the fact that I think they have the ball longer. Um, because they won't be turning the ball over so much. So uh, I, I, I like Mike Evans, and I have him at, at 22. All right. And uh, why don't you uh, start with your number 23 pick? And, okay. And uh, I'll follow you up. Sounds good. 23 is uh, basically Burke's 22 pick. I have Travis Kelsey at uh, the Chiefs. And it's for the same reasons. Uh, he really opens up the middle of the field for the Chiefs. He's a reliable target for Patrick Mahomes. And although they have a lot of weapons, um, he's always been the, the consistent uh, force for the Chiefs uh, in their offense. And definitely at the goal line, you know, they're looking for him first. So just the, the touchdown volume that he's capable of is, is really intriguing. And when you're able to get a number one tight end, um, Getting that production from the tight end position blows away the rest of the competition, and so you're always having an advantage at that position. And if you're able to do that at the end of the second round, you got to jump on that. And uh, uh, there's very few, you know, there's usually only about four or five good tight ends, but there's only one or two, you know, superior tight ends. And uh, those are game changers for you and usually brings you a lot of victories when you have that big of, a, of an advantage at a position. So, um, you know, we just talked about Mike Evans and Kelsey, two similar picks. Um, you know, now going to a similar pick uh, with Aaron Jones. My 23rd pick is Aaron Jones. Um, just some of the same strengths that Mizak uh, brought to attention as far as what Aaron Jones brings from the volume of carries, the receiving ability. I think he's a very, um, you know, 
very strong running back and someone who's going to put up a lot of fantasy points. So I have him 23 overall. I mentioned A.J. Dillon earlier. I think A.J. Dillon is probably, he's a bigger back. I think he's more of a threat to Jamal Williams' carries than he is um, Aaron Jones. I think that Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones last year's contract is someone who's going to get a large volume. So if I can get Aaron Jones here at 23 overall, I think that's a steal for uh, this fantasy draft. Um, sure. We'll go ahead and uh, go ahead, Jason. Oh, round out the uh, end of our segment here with uh, the last pick of the second round. I have Kenyon Drake running back for the Cardinals, and I liked him a lot. Uh, obviously, didn't like him as, as much as you, Burke. Uh, but it's just uh, based off of you know he he went away from the Dolphins, really produced for the Cardinals. I like him in that offense, and I just need to see more. I need to see him do it for a longer period of time but at the end of the second round with that potential that he has for that production um he's he's really the the last running back uh that i that i have even ranked that i could see being the you know the bell cow where there's not going to be a lot of you know chase edmonds is there he's a good running back but i don't see him taking over the workload for Kenyon drake and uh the offense is going to just be so dynamic with all those weapons that I, I couldn't pass him up at the end of the second. I, I think he could be uh, potential at the end of the year, look like a first-round running back. So he's a, he would be my pick. I think that would be a great pick at number 24. And um, as you said, you know, I, we want to see him do it for a consistent period of time because what we saw was just in that short duration um, with Arizona and want to make sure that that's where we're going to get the consistent basis for we. Um, draft earlier. Um, so you talked about potential, and this is where I'm going to jump in here with a, a straight potential pick here. Um, for number 24, I have Hyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, I have the, running, the rookie at LSU and Kansas City. Um, we've listed a lot of Kansas City players here. Obviously, that talks about just the explosiveness of that team and the offensive talent that they have. But um, CEH, as I would say, is one of the uh, um, most talented running backs coming in in this draft. I don't think that we saw any running back be drafted, I'm sorry, the NFL draft, to a, a, a pure, um, you know, starting position or, or pure uh, bell cow position. But if one did, I think it's it's Clyde. And I think he has a great opportunity this year um, to um, really add to the explosiveness of the Chiefs. And that's scary to say as anyone who's playing against the Chiefs. But I could see him being a very productive Receiver, some, or sorry, no, receiver running back, but I can see people pursuing him as early as the first round, too early for me. But if I'm at 24 and I have an opportunity to take this guy, I'm going to draft him. Well, and something I like about him, too, is, you know, Andy Reid's been trying to get rid of Damian Williams for, you know, not necessarily get rid of him like off the team, but he's been trying to replace him for the good parts of the last year and a half. And, you know, the people that have tried to replace him have had fumbling issues and things where he's had to go back to Damian Williams. And I really think that he wants an option where he can use Damian Williams in a kind of a, a like a sidekick role and really have another running back that's uh, his workhorse for him. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, one of the knocks on, you know, CH is that he's not the best pass blocker, but that's not something that we see the Kansas City running backs be asked to do a whole lot. Um, and so I think that he's just a good fit. Andy Reid has proven um, to have a great deal of production from running backs, um, whether it's time in Kansas City or Philadelphia. So I think it's, this is one that's going to be interesting to watch. But um, as you talk about potential, 
this is a potential pick here for me at 24. Nice. And uh, I, I like it. Just some final thoughts in regards to the upcoming fantasy football draft. It's a long ways away and a lot of things can change, but some uh, going through the first two rounds, uh, something that uh, I started realizing is, you know, going in, uh, I know me and Burke have talked a lot last year with the injuries at running back and um, just how inconsistent the position is um, with a, a lot of teams going to the committees that it might be in your best interest to draft wide receivers early. And uh, those are going to be a lot of your superstars that will be consistent. But then going through the, the draft and what would be available, I kind of altered my stance on that because, you know, the first two rounds you really can get a, a stud running back that's going to be your, your bell, bell cow. And there's so much depth at the wide receiver position that you can get some great values late that it, it's not a, a need or urgency to, to get a receiver early. And obviously, you know, quarterback, you don't want to get early. So it really leaves it open to you want to get those lead backs, uh, you know, the, the more you can accumulate at the beginning of the draft, and then you can fill in with all the depth that they have at receiver. And uh, I don't know what, you know, your thoughts are on this, Burke, but uh, going through this drill, that, that's kind of what, um, you know, my strategy is kind of altered in that regard. Um, I just see that the value at running back in the early on is just too great to pass up. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I think we've seen drafts over the last few years where you know, there might have been four running backs that you can consider that you're, you're really going to target. And then after side, outside of those four, you were looking at the receivers because there were so many committees out there. And so, you know, kind of approaching the same way this year, you think that, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of committees and a lot of backs out there. But when you really get into it, I, I see that there are a handful, more than what we've seen when I talked about four. But you know, there's there's a handful of, of backs that truly could be your lead back and you could build a team around. And there is a lot of talent and depth at wide receiver. There's a lot of wide receivers. Um, we talked a lot about them in our second round that could put up a lot of production. So um, I think it's been quite a few drafts since we've seen eight running backs. I think that going back through our draft, I think we had eight running backs in the first round. Yeah, um, that we might, did. You know, so, eight running backs in the first round and four receivers, that's something that we usually don't see. It's been a little more split of recent years. So it kind of shows you that there are a few backs out there that you can build a team around and that you can plug and play every single week. And then you can build a lot around them with other receivers. After you get outside of those receivers, there's so many running back by committee options that you know, you're choosing between not just one or two running backs, but maybe three running backs to determine who you're Who's going to be, you know, that that second RB two for you? So um, again, I I agree with you that focusing on those priority running backs are important in this draft. Well, and you know, you think about it. At the end of our second round, you can get a Clyde Edwards Hilaire or you know a Kenyon Drake, and you know, are are you going to get a Juju Smith Schuster? Like you can get a Juju Smith Schuster probably in the sixth or seventh round with some of the receivers that are available. Are you going to reach for the Juju Smith-Schuster when you can have the upside and potential of those other running back positions? Like, it, it's just all about value, and um, it, it makes the case even more so towards you need to get that running back secured because you can find the, that same receiver later on. 
when you look at a lot of the um, receiver names that weren't weren't called. Um, you know, you got <laughs> Calvin Ridley, you got Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, AJ Brown, Alan Robinson, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. You know, like you said, uh, Juju. You got a lot of different um, receivers out there. DK Metcalf, a lot of receivers that can put up some really solid fantasy points for you. They weren't even called in the second round. There's some players you're going to get in the third and fourth round this year. You're not going to find that depth at running back that, um, you know, that, that you'll be able to at receivers this year. And one last point before we go for our show today. Um, there's There's been uh, – I've seen a lot on, on Twitter especially, but uh, a lot of the fantasy football experts are going towards – you know, like it's a new revelation of you want to go with upside and potential. Like, you know, you get that consistent guy that you know is going to be solid and you want to get that those definite points, you know, in the ninth or tenth round. But you want to go with the guy that has upside that could, you know, potentially be, you know, a fourth round pick with your tenth round pick. And my thoughts on that is that's what you always want to do. You always want to go for the potential. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's some guys that you don't want later in the draft. Like, yeah, I can get, um, what's a good example that I can throw out there? Um, I, I know what I'm getting from, like, you know, a Dion Lewis later in the draft or, um, uh, what's another good example? Juju Smith-Schuster, like I just said. Um, you, you know what they're capable of, and you, you know what you're getting from them most of the time. But if I can get, like, an under-the-radar type of guy that could have a breakout season. Calvin Ridley is a perfect example. He could have one of, you know, he could be like the Chris Godwin uh, of 2020. And so I want to go after those guys. And that's a strategy you should always have. Like, I, I don't remember, you know, back in the 90s when I was drafting, that was always my philosophy. So now that it's becoming, you know, kind of a, a topic of discussion, uh, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I don't see another way that you should be drafting. Like, you know, some of your later round picks are uh, disposable when you, you know, go through the waiver wire. So you, you always want to draft for the high potential guys that are going to do way more than, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what you want a guy with a high ceiling than, you know, a, a, an average floor, I guess is what I'm saying. No, I agree. You know, those later rounds, you know, like you said, you get – you know, Deion Lewis, you can get Jason Witten. You know what you're going to get with those players. But are those the players that are probably going to win your, your fantasy championship? No. Um, you know, you want to get that, you know, those players later that have an opportunity to, um, you know, be productive. I think you can look at Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, um, McCole Hardman. Those are players that you could have got later in the rounds last year. And you saw how much of an impact they had in fantasy football this year. So I would much rather look for those three type of players, then, you know, um, like, like rookies or second year out players are going to have a greater opportunity um, rather than giving me the, you know, the consistent tried and true Deion Lewis, Jason Witten. Like, perfect example, like you could have had McCole Hardman or you could have had Randall Cobb. Like, right. Randall Cobb's not going to win you weeks. He's not going to win you championships, but McCole Hardman with his potential, he, he can. Debo Samuel last year, he potentially could have been, been able to win you a championship. So you want that upside over, you know, a guy that you kind of know what his floor is and you want that consistency on his floor. Um, I'm, you really need to go upside, and that's how you win championships. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, we appreciate you joining us for our show. You're listening to Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. 
And we will be back next week with uh, quarterback rankings. And uh, we'll also go through the, uh, the Dynasty rookie uh, rankings. And we uh, look forward to catching you next week. Thank you. All right, thank you.